Welcome to Freestyle Thoughts, a dance podcast. I'm your host, Anna, and this is episode eight. Today, we're talking about some of the quirks I had when I was transitioning from Chinese dance to my university dance group and some of the insights into dance dynamics that I discovered while I was in university. I have linked a video in the description. Check it out if you want to see baby Anna try really, really hard or sort of baby Anna. Baby Anna in regards to not Chinese dance style. (laughs) Now that the Lunar New Year festivities are over, if I were still in university, we would we would start preparing for our end of year showcase called Cypher. That's Cypher, all caps, but it's not, not an acronym. Honestly, I loved the chaos that was the ramp up to Cypher. It was the fourth year's last hurrah, so you tended to get a lot of seniors directing their last dance or sometimes even a first dance. And it was also an opportunity for a lot of new directors who had been observing how practices are run for the whole year. Plus Basic and a lot of other clubs and organizations at my university had leadership changeover ranging from February to March. So in regards to Basic, the tone for the next year in regards to both leadership and the director pool is sort of set for the Cypher cycle. So in honor of the beginning of the Cypher season, if you will, I figured that we would change gears a little bit and talk about some of my non-Chinese dance university experiences and some of the growing pains I went through when I was adjusting from this super classical Chinese dance style to this more K-pop, hip-hop, more creative, expressive kind of almost style that Basic had. And along the way, we'll probably talk about some of the takeaways and observations I had in regards to dance as a whole, dancers as a community. So as a recap, Basic was a casual hip-hop, K-pop, self-taught dance club at my university. And I initially joined in my first year of university because I didn't want to do something as intense as Chinese dance in university. And I also wanted a change of style as well. And I suppose, spoiler alert, I eventually adjusted to the style by second year, but that first year in terms of my own execution was very rough. I won't lie, I I was actually kind of intimidated and also sort of struggling for a little bit there before I graduated high school, but after I got accepted into university, I went to this event held by my university that was for prospective students, and BASIC held a workshop, and I went to this workshop. (laughs) We learned Baby Don't Stop, for anyone who is wondering, and I absolutely remember the section that we learned, who was teaching, and sort of even who was at the workshop. But from that workshop, I was fairly quickly able to assess that my Chinese dance background provided me with a better understanding of how to control my body and timing, the concept of timing. I had some sort of leg up in regards to the other prospective students in the room and even some of the then current university members. 
And by some of the then current university members, I literally am referencing one individual human being. He was the friend of the person who was hosting me. And so I had met him earlier in the day. And his self-introduction included some of his dance history. So me knowing how long he had been dancing was the only reason why I was able to come to this conclusion. I suppose, long story short, I sort of got a feeling that I was starting a leg up above what I assumed was the average member for this club. And once I started university, my finding was mostly congruent with this assessment. And honestly, that is sort of how it should be, considering that this dance club was catered towards beginners and super casual dancers, and I had been dancing fairly committedly (laughs) since I was a kid. So I was a leg up on some of my peers in that, again, I knew how to find the beat in music. I knew how to move my body. I had good dance memorization. Kind of a lot of the stuff that Serena and I were talking about some episodes ago. I was only partially right back then. I most certainly had a leg up in regards to the casual members and the members who were very clearly only started dancing in university. The regular returning members, they were very good in this style or well-practiced. And I was extremely intimidated. The graceful classical training of Chinese dance did not much translate to basic beyond the basics. So basic adhered and still adheres to this three-cycle per year system. But pre-pandemic, pre-COVID, BASIC would be invited to the smaller performances, usually falling sometime early to mid-fall semester. And BASIC would use these performances as opportunities for new directors, since at the end of the day, these performances were always very low stakes. And let me tell you, some of these dances suffered from properly awful production to the point that we were very lucky that the stakes of these actual performances were on the very much low side. But in my first year, I was in a couple of dances in the fall, and my first performance was one of these smaller performances. And the first dance that I remember completing was Sorry Sorry, Super Junior, of course. So... I suppose the question was more of how could I not be in such an iconic dance? But I primarily joined that dance so that I could focus more on figuring out what the vibe of an average basic practice was, what that cycle practice cycle looks like. And I didn't have to worry about learning and memorizing new choreography as much. And honestly, that was sort of my strategy for the whole first year to keep my head down and sort of try to figure out the ins and the outs of this club. So the process came down to this. We learned to dance in sections each practice. And by the time we've learned the whole dance, we're able to do the dance at about 80% speed. Then a practice is dedicated to cleaning and speeding up the dance. And that is generally the last open practice. 
open practice, meaning that anyone can join, regardless of whether they had gone to all the practices previously. So theoretically, basic is taught in a way such that if you miss a learning practice, you are still able to follow the current practice that you're at. And it was more up to you to figure out what you missed if you want to perform that dance. Generally, people who missed a practice were able to figure it out by the end of the speed-up practice. And after that speed-up practice, directors would request that dancers who intend to sign up for that dance send a video of them doing the dance. And this video functioned as a couple of things. Firstly, directors are able to send you individual cleaning notes, which is meant to cover the general themes of what you're doing right and wrong and sometimes even specific movements where it's particularly off and how to fix that whatever second it was it acted as a second step in signing up for a dance in that it proves that you know the dance reasonably well and it aids the director in making the formations and so naturally, the first closed practice is a formations practice. And once the formations have been completed, usually it's one practice traditionally. The subsequent practices are dedicated to cleaning and drilling until the performance. And at least before COVID, that was how a cycle would work. The only notable regular exception was the LNY cycle, which if you recall from last episode, there were restrictions due to the stage size. So for Sorry Sorry, after I committed, the first big, the first big shock that I experienced was how formations were handled. Practice for any given dance were only one hour a week, so we went through the whole dance's formations in less than one hour because we had to dedicate five-ish minutes to warming up and stretching, and then we had to, at the end of practice, film, and sometimes we would get even less of an hour if practices are running really behind and the rec was closing, so on and so forth. But in theory, we had a little bit less than an hour each practice. And for Sorry Sorry, that meant that we went through this whole dance's formation in a little bit less than one hour. And I remember this being literally the most chaotic thing that I thought that I would ever experience. I was very wrong, but it was I, I remember being so stressed. For reference, I was used to hoofing it from formation to formation, but practice was always two or two and a half hours a week, and we would learn formations for our dance over a lot of practices, usually along with choreography. So it wasn't like we were tackling like a minute, 30 seconds of formations in one hour, you know? But Sorry Sorry was... A couple of things were working against it in my mind. Not it, The time was definitely a factor, I suppose. But Sorry Sorry was filled with a lot of, a lot of new dancers. And it was being taught by, I believe, a newer director. But because of the time constraint of one hour combined with 
newer dancers, it kind of at the time felt like it was the perfect recipe for chaos. And in some ways it, it, it was chaotic, but I thought at the time it was so much more chaotic than I thought it would be normally. Like my expectations were that it would be more organized, I suppose. But now that I'm thinking about it, I'm not even sure how the director communicated these formations. I remember this director taught choreography in a way that I was very easily able to pick up on and memorize, but I cannot remember how she communicated the formations. Was she someone who would literally stand at each person's spot to show them where they would stand in the formation? Or would she just try to explain where you were supposed to be? <laughs> and by that, the best explanation I can provide is actually an example. By explaining, I mean, this director would say like, Kevin, you're in the second line next to Jeremy in the window of Claire and Vincent. And that's when the director was communicating very well, which usually did not happen. Usually it looked more like, Kevin, you're standing there. And then they would point to that general area where someone was supposed to stand. But to them, it was, it's super clear where they're supposed to stand, right? But as someone who's being addressed, it's it's so unclear, but I genuinely do not remember how she communicated formations. And that is actually sort of crazy because I did a number of her dances while we were both in university together. But the point is that the sorry, sorry formations practice was so much more chaotic than I expected it to be going into it. And I remember getting so much secondhand stress and anxiety from this practice. Throughout the practice, no one seemed to be particularly getting the formations and myself included. And a lot of the formations involved literally switching places with someone, which are not necessarily the easiest and smoothest formations to pull off. When we would run the dance after learning the formations freshly, I kept on either stepping on or being stepped on by this one upperclassman who is new to basic that year as well. And I actually enjoyed this upperclassman's company and you know what? He was a cool dude and I believe he's a functioning, practicing, proper lawyer now. But in the formation, I would usually move before he did, hence the running into each other. And if we weren't actively apologizing for running into each other, we would make eye contact with each other through the mirror to gauge whether the other was confused or following or... What the, pro what the situation was like for them. At some point during the practice, our director was looking at the piece of paper she wrote the formations on, and she was just gathering her thoughts or taking a break, I believe. I don't remember. But there was this sort of pause on practice, and it wasn't in a water break sense, I believe. So the rest of us were just standing around waiting for instruction and I stood towards the back of the crowd because I firmly believed there was nothing that I could provide as a first year in literally almost every respect. But I was standing by a different upperclassman and I suppose my face was showing the stress and confusion and the ugly cycle that they were creating within me on my face. 
because this upperclassman's attempt to comfort me was, don't worry, formation practices are always like this, as if that was supposed to be comforting. <laughs> but at that moment in time, hardly anyone knew their formations, hardly anyone could do the formations that we did know, and the practice felt like absolute chaos. So this upperclassman's attempt to comfort fell on completely deaf ears. But I don't think I was struggling just because my memorization skills decided to check out for that day. In Chinese dance, we would learn sections of the dance that we would do all together, but Chinese dance is extremely formation dependent. So if a dance has groups doing different things based on formation, we would just save that for later. So basically the group stuff that we learned would be stuff that we did all together regardless of formation, or it would be a really hard part of the dance. So once we learned all of once we learned all of the group and the hard parts, we would move on to formations and learn the rest of the dance with the formations. And we would work through the dance with formations for like maybe a month-ish before the focus was moved to cleaning. But basic treated everything a little bit differently, regardless of formations. We would learn the whole dance for, it depended on the cycle, but a generous estimation would be a month, month and a half, airing more on the month side. And then formation and formation tied choreography would take up one to two weeks of practice, depending on the length of the dance and the director's directing style. And then it was just cleaning from then into the performance. And by weeks, months, whatever, just know that I'm referring to practices. So one week is one practice, one month is four-ish practices. But basically, I struggled with how quickly we were going through the formations, essentially. In regards to Sorry Sorry, that dance was, again, it was filled with a lot of beginner dancers. So the practice was... It felt more chaotic because everyone t was seeming to struggle to balance remembering the supposed memorized choreography with the changed choreography and juggled both the time and the space aspect to formations. It was a formula that did not necessarily lend to feelings of success by the end of the hour. And I am sad to say it, but for the most part, the upperclassman was correct. That was how formations practices ended up being in basic. Maybe it was a consequence of the type of dance club we were, or it was a consequence of precedence, but sorry, sorry, despite the chaos that I felt, was certainly a better formations practice than some of the other ones that I would later experience. Like, there would be some subsequent truly hot mess formations practice that I would be subjected to, and the chaos of sorry, sorry can't even compare because I suppose it's nothing. I can't really recall any adjustments that I had to make within myself in terms of transferring stuff from Chinese dance to basic because for the most part, I went into basic kind of understanding that I would be starting with a clean slate, that nothing would be, tra I tr that nothing would be transferable. So I can't really think of many other adjustments that I had to make. I talked about not knowing what to do with my hands, I believe, in the previous episode. 
I mean, I didn't know how to hit or be particularly sharp in a way that hip-hop, K-pop style needed me to be. But that was something that just kind of came with practice, you know? But I will link that performance that we did Sorry Sorry at. A couple of things were just a, a sheer mess on my end, and it's no one's fault but my own. For one, I did not see the thing about what we were supposed to be wearing for outfits. So that was a super last minute scramble, like a couple of minutes before performance, before call time scramble kind of a thing. I ended up borrowing one of my guy friend's shirts, I believe, and my shoes had zero traction. So during the end of Sorry Sorry, I remember almost slipping. And you don't really see it in the performance, but I just remember the feeling of my shoes actively losing traction on the slippery floor. But overall, my basic experience, I think, was my first exposure to what people meant by dancers, but in a negative way. In my first year, I kept my head down and focused on adjusting to university and basic. I was dealing with a lot of things, my first relationship, living away from home, the balance of making new friends while maintaining old friendships, and general first-year university experience things. Even though I wasn't particularly involved in BASIC or privy to its drama, I was aware that there was a very clear in-group and everyone else. Everyone called that group the Click. The Click was not an official label of these people. They didn't have a group chat entitled The Click, and they never referred to themselves as The Click in genuine. This was not a label that they provided themselves. It was more of a label slapped onto the group by those who were not in it. But we will be using that label because it is the easiest way to refer to this group of people. The Click was just a friend group that had their main ties outside of BASIC, I would say. They had classes together and they hung out together during the slots, the time slots between BASIC practice. And that ended up meaning that they came to practice together and they left together, which didn't necessarily help their Click image. People in this group tended to be good dancers, so that meant that they were usually prominently featured in basic dances. They would tend to do the same dances and also tend to be the main pool of directors, so they were fairly involved in basic. One quirk that very clearly distinguished the clique from everybody else was where people put their bags, water, whatever they brought with them to practice during practice. The technology of the sound system in the practice room, they used an aux cord, but they eventually transitioned to Bluetooth when I was, I believe, either a third or a fourth year. But during these first two years, it was an aux cord. So directors would put their bag, water bottle, whatever they brought to practice at the front of the room where the sound system was. And it was definitely a convenience thing, but a lot of the directors were the click. So 
it would usually fall that members of the clique who were directing and their friends who weren't necessarily directors would be putting their stuff at the front of the room and everybody else would be putting their stuff at the back of the room. And honestly, it wasn't a very big deal. It wasn't like there was this golden lunch table and everyone else was sitting by the trash. There wasn't a bad place to put your stuff in the practice room. It was just more of an interesting, subtle social aspect of basic. For me, I don't really blame the clique for being a clique, if that makes sense. They were mostly upperclassmen, firstly, so if you thought about it, these people had been friends for one or two years by the time that I matriculated into university. And the few underclassmen that were in the clique, they had, the reason why they were in the clique, it made sense if you thought about it. They were either the younger sibling of someone who was already in basic and generally well-liked, so the clique sort of took the role of looking after the younger sibling, or they were international students, so the clique sort of let them in, if you will, as a social safe place in that club that otherwise was dominated by domestic students. So I get it. Some of the clique upperclassmen, they were international students. It makes sense. Honestly, it did not really bother me at all. It was pretty... It was pretty easy to assess the group. It was upperclassmen. It, it was the upperclassmen, some of whom were international students, and a few underclassmen and underclassmen who basically met certain qualifications that were part of their identity, if you will. I don't know. How, I think I'm not explaining this really well. It's not a very good summary, but you get what I mean. But at the time, I was occupied with my own stuff. I didn't really want to bother myself with whatever was going on in basic socially. Plus, I already knew from my years of dance that dance groups have well-defined social organizations, so I figured that it was just better for me to get the rest of my school life situated, and along the way, my social situation within BASIC would be sorted out once I had enough mental energy to worry about it. But very importantly, the clique's drama almost never led into BASIC operations. And the rare times it did, it was very subtle. And honestly, the basic drama that involved the clique was more due to a certain upperclassman's creepy behavior more than anything else. So I'm not really sure how much of the clique could be really held responsible for that. But my strategy worked as I kept my head down. I became friendlier with the people in the clique. And by second year, I had a foot in that friend group. Honestly, at the time, I didn't belong to any one friend group. I liked to see myself as having a foot in both of the main friend groups of basic at the time. But in regards to the clique, as I was getting to know them and getting to be part of their friend group, it became very clear that they were aware of their clique status but they were very insistent on their non-clickiness. Honestly, I sort of got where they were coming from because at the end of the day, they were a close friend group who were in a social dance group. They just happened to be socially affluent within basics, so everything combined came at the cost of being perceived as a clique. But as all things do, the clique changed slowly. No one was particularly clicky when I was getting to know the click as a second year. But 
other people who eventually became a part of the clique were absolutely clicky and made people feel excluded. So I know when I mention the clique to certain people, they will think about these people and their impact before they think about how the clique was when I was a first and a second year. But that being said, although the clique, when I was a first and second year, they were, they were not actively exclusive in the way that a clique is. But that being said, although the clique when I was a first and a second year were fairly open and friendly, they were generally perceived poorly by the other main friend group of BASIC. Most of that friend group was made of people who joined BASIC the year I matriculated, as well as the year after me. So we were, we were the newcomers. However, there was one upperclassman who was in the non-click friend group, and she had some very negative experiences and opinions of the click. I believe she told us that the click was the reason why she took a hiatus from basic the year before I matriculated. But she returned during my first year, so clearly the issues she had with the click were before the click that I knew them as. And I guess the problem members had graduated by the time that I joined basic. So recap, the click in my first year was just a friend group. Yes, they tended to be good dancers, but it was more because they were upperclassmen and had practiced for two to three years than they had pre-university dance experience. And the exceptions to that rule were either siblings of a decently liked upperclassman or international students, so things that were completely out of our control. So you can imagine the dynamics severely shifted when COVID happened. A lot of international students were remote or they graduated early, and to be quite honest, half of the click graduated in 2020 anyways. To be quite honest, it's the same thing is kind of true of the other friend group, but we're not talking about them today. So in tandem with the tone that leadership at the time set, in came the new clique that was much more skill-based, meaning you were in the clique if you were a good dancer, age didn't really matter. And then that evolved into you were in the clique if you were a good dancer and the ringleader liked you. So the in-group pivoted into an actual click. Once the in-group pivoted into an actual click, I understood what dancers but negative meant. And I suppose this is true of people in general, but I found it particularly true for dancers that we like being around our friends and knowing what to expect. That meant that as an outsider to any group, it's going to be hard to break into the in-group. But as an in-group member, you can be seen as being exclusive, but this could be motivated by because you're either kind of shy to outsiders or you can be actively exclusive until this pivot. The former was my experience with the basic click. The post-COVID basic click, it pivoted into being more actively exclusive a true click. The neo-click was born. And again, leadership of BASIC at the time did not help the very readily growing toxicity, partially because leadership when things were starting to get 
bad. Leadership was focused on how to function with the pandemic. So it's not necessarily on them. And then once things got really bad, uh, (laughs) and then when things got really bad, leadership consisted of people who were in the neo-click. So it did not help. But more importantly, post-COVID introduced an audition system. Before, the only type of dances that were limited were Casey and LNY, and that was because of stage restrictions. But directors could not choose who was in their dance. Everyone was equally subjected to the mercy of RNG. But post-COVID, any dance label as advanced would be an audition dance. KCN, LNY dances, also audition dances, regardless of difficulty. The person who is in charge of choosing the people in their dance, the director. Who is in charge of picking the directors? It's the head director, but at the time, the head director happened to be very partial to the neo-click. Do we see the problem? It was the head director's job to set up the audition system. They did create some limits. I will get I'll I'll give them that. For KCN and LNY, I believe you can only it was either you can only be in X amount of dances or you can only audition for X amount of dances. But either way, there was no guarantee. And while it wasn't a hard and fast rule, this direct this head director famously said while introducing the new audition system that, quote, don't just choose other people for your dance and you need to be open to other people being in your dance. Like, if you're going to do a Blackpink song, don't don't limit your dance to four people. And in a more ideal world, I understand why a head director wouldn't want to put creative restrictions on a director. But given that we don't live in that world and it's so easy to rig this sort of shit and it's this system's inaugural year, the other part of me is not quite sure why there weren't more regulations on directors, more guidelines, given how some of these auditions played out. They fixed the system more the following year, but the audition system, the way it was, it did not help the perception of the social... It did not help the perception of the social atmosphere at all. So it was the worst combination of auditions and the neoclick that created the worst echo chamber of ego that I have ever personally witnessed and been in the thick of. I knew that dancers had an ego from my Chinese dance experience, but Chinese dance, it's a very technical style. So you need to have a certain level of actual tangible skill to support and develop a proper ego. And a lot of formations and solos and group dances were more at the mercy of the height distribution of the class than it was skill. Height was the primary focus and skill was the secondary focus in Chinese dance formations. So ego tended to develop as a result of proving that you had the skills in technique exercises. So any ego that people developed tended to feel earned and appropriate for their skill level. People who had an ego that was 
too great for their skill level were humbled fairly quickly. And Ego didn't really have much of a place in the pre-COVID basic. Maybe that was a result of the atmosphere cultivated by leadership and the clique, but post-COVID basic, suddenly there's this huge emphasis on skill and therefore somehow ego almost. How do you prove that you have skill as a new basic member? I mean, you could do the hard work, but that's not the golden ticket to the neoclick. The neoclick's exceptions tended to be people with prior experience in dance. The neoclick definitely had more upperclassmen in it. Again, it was due to the fact that the upperclassmen, we had a bond of previous years. But the underclassmen who were in the neoclick, they had the golden ticket, right? They had previous dance experience. So that means, so that is a lot more of an accessible golden ticket than some aspect of your identity that you can't change. Like I wasn't an international student. There's nothing I could do to change about that. And I didn't have an older sibling that was already in basic. There was equally nothing that I could do about that. But having prior university dance experience, on the other hand, I mean, lying is a thing. So what this ends up looking like is that a lot of new members who wanted to be in the neoclick, or at least thought of highly by the neoclick, they caught quickly on how to try to catch that golden ticket to the neoclick acceptance. It was to flaunt your previous dance experience and hoping that it translates well. Usually this unfortunately meant that the peop these people who would claim that they had prior dance experience they would usually say that they had previously done ballet, but they would omit the fact that they did it when they were very young, like three to five years of age. And their dancing would very clearly show that if their primary extracurricular was a sport, it most certainly was not dance. The ballet to basic pipeline had a very specific look that's really hard to emulate, but those who truly did ballet as their chosen extracurricular, they didn't go around bragging that they did ballet. They let their experience speak for itself. And they, like me, probably went into basic wanting something less stressful, less commitment, and knowing that a lot of their prior experience was not going to translate too well. The problem is that the basic hip-hop k-pop style it's not particularly technical in any regard so all you sort of had to do was fudge fudge your resume a little bit and brag about it loudly and since it was a self-taught group it was socially uncomfortable to humble somebody else when their skill did not reflect the big ego and it's just different since it's not a technical area of dance and it's it's difficult because it's social dynamics it, it's some sticky stuff maybe what i'm saying is that in chinese dance there was a teacher to very straightforwardly point out what everyone was doing right and wrong 
So people who had too big of an ego for their skill to support, they were humbled quickly in a socially acceptable way and realized that they had to actually work hard if they wanted to sustain their current big ego. But as a result of hard work, their ego would slowly deflate until their skills matched their ego and everything was relatively balanced. But in basic, at least from my observations and experience, since you can't really call people out for having too big of an ego for their skill to justifiably support it, these people who had an unjustifiably big ego a couple of years ago when I was in school with them still today have an even more inflated ego now that they're upperclassmen and it's actually kind of crazy but the dancer ego in general is it's crazy guys and this was my first experience to people sustaining a high ego without the skills to support it but within basic I also experienced people who were good dancers and were fairly skilled but they also had a very big ego in a way that their skill doesn't support it. And that's not good either because sometimes they would get to a point where they just lose touch of reality, you know? I mean, in Chinese dance, when you were a more experienced and skilled dancer, there's still a teacher to prevent your ego from getting too big. And in terms of peer dynamics, you would tend to have more unspoken group responsibilities. You're relied on for memorization, for example. And since it was a technically difficult style, it sort of gave you the ability to justifiably give advice to a less skilled dancer who isn't necess- who is not a new dancer. But in basic, I'm not I'm not sure. Sometimes people who had really big egos but were good dancers would sometimes, they would, sometimes they would talk or act in a way that didn't seem to be based in reality. And in regards to basic specifically, it was sometimes some very anti-beginner dancer mindset which is less great in a dance group catered towards beginners and encourages beginners to join. I think the issues that I personally have with the high skill too big ego archetype I think it's much more subtle than the problems that I have with the big ego, lower skill archetype. And I think it's in a way because I, it's, harder, it's harder to point out what I find not aligning with what I believe dance should be about because I think there are just more subtleties in in this in this archetype and to be honest I'm not quite sure how much of this is my own ego coming into play and the people that I've discussed this subject matter with 
I don't know how much of their ego is coming into play with their views or if they're aware of how much their ego comes into play in terms of their own views. And I suppose that shows what the problem is. It just becomes an echo chamber and you're blinded by your ego in general. I think that's just the overall problem maybe. But in an environment where skill and ego are revered and valued in a way that it was in basic at the end of my time there, for one, you most certainly close yourself to possibilities of improvement and creativity even. For one, I think because basic is not a cover group, we were allowed to do K-pop covers more creatively. The choreography stayed the same for the most part, but the formations needed to accommodate the number of people in that dance, which was not necessarily a one-to-one with the original. And for the most part, this wasn't necessarily a problem that is exclusive to ego. But when ego does come into play, I think it absolutely blinds you to alternate ways of thinking. And when you're in charge of that dance, it tends to, it impacts more people. It's not just you. Or when you get to a point in skill where you are wanting to pull the ladder, so to speak, that is to want to only dance with people who are, who you perceive as equally high skill or higher skill, I think we all forget that learning opportunities come from anyone everywhere, even people who are beginners. If nothing else, it should be reminding us that we need to continue to work hard and practice if we want to improve. The beautiful thing about dance is that there is no end. It's it, There's only improvement. And that can mean so many things. And within basic, there is definitely a point where obvious improvement is hard to obtain because it's a self-taught group. But if you're a beginner, you can improve leaps and bounds with proper practice. And for a more advanced dancer, I've noticed a pattern where more advanced dancers feel like we're not improving. And maybe it's because we're resting on our laurels because we think that we're good enough in terms of the group skills so we don't need to dedicate ourselves to practice as much. Or maybe it's that we aren't seeing what improvement at this stage means. Maybe it's ego, maybe it's lack of experience. Who's to say? It's honestly probably a mix of both because at least from my own personal experience, I remember reaching a point at around third year where I felt like I had a really good handle on the basics general style and I felt like I was not improving or at least I was not improving in the way that I had been improving previously in the past couple of years but when I look at the videos from each year in hindsight I can see that improvement I think at the time for me it was I wasn't understanding what improvement looked like for that level of skills I was at but then there is the problem of how considerate should we be of other people's egos? More specifically, how considerate should we be 
of our peers' egos who are equal in skill, equal in how advanced, whatever. I mean, in practice, your ego absolutely needs to yield to whoever is in charge because that's just how practice is run. But I'm talking about the other people in the dance, the other people who are equally not in charge of the dance. How much are you allowed to comment on other people's dancing? Or how much are you allowed to give unsolicited help to other people of largely the same skill level as you? How considerate do we have to be of other people's egos? When does it become hurting someone's feelings by being presumptuous? And when is it being well-intended advice? Is it even our place to say anything? I, I think at this point, I, I think I'm rambling right now. But I have a lot of questions and I don't think I have any answers to these questions for myself. I suppose my point is that these questions exist outside of ego, but once ego plays a part in your actions, it just, I guess it just becomes tricky. I suppose another question for me is how do you reality check yourself when your ego is getting big? I think all dancers are guilty of letting their egos get away from them. I'm guilty of it. How, when does that reality check come in? When do you have that reality check? When does your ego deflate? How does your ego deflate? Is it something external? Can it be done internally? Do you need external motivation? I have so many questions, guys. I suppose at this point, I'm extremely off topic, but clearly I have lots of thoughts on ego and skill and expectations and how all of this can affect a larger group in regards to dance and dancers. But I think I have to think about my thoughts on this more and save it for another time. So for now, thank you for bearing with me. And please come back next week for our next episode of Freestyle Thoughts, a dance podcast. <laughs>